0: LifeWay Lifeway. Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the 5 Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and today I'm here with Daniel M. Hello, hello. And Michael Kelly. Hello, hello. We're not using the right
1: mic. (laughs) If you you announce them like that, the mic has to have dropped from the ceiling. It should (laughs) drop.
0: (laughs) Iron Moon. All right, so Michael Kelly.
1: Michael Kelly has been on the podcast, what is this,
0: the third time? I think so. Yeah, yeah. More than any other Lifeway person. No, really? Is that true? Yeah. Existing. You're you're in the ranks
1: of Craig Groeschel, Christine Kane. Yeah. I mean, that's who. And
2: let's not go too far. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Brad Lomonick. Hey. I'm practically a co host. (laughs) You are. (laughs) Pretty much.
1: All right. So Michael Kelly is the director of discipleship here at Lifeway, uh,
0: Ish. and and adult re- everything under uh, anything yeah, that that's right is, produces church resources or people resources for adults. Yeah, that's right. Y'all probably shouldn't let me talk terribly much <laughs> today because I once again, listeners, I'm so sorry. Uh, I have an issue. A medical. Everyone knows issue. you have an issue. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really <laughs> suspect. Yes, I'm. Yeah, you're I'm not slightly dying. medicated. Yes, because you just came back from vacation. I came back from vacation, and, and I you're sick. So. Yeah, All right. I caught something in the Outer Banks.
1: But for long time for our long time listeners, yes, who remember a couple of years
0: ago when you were completely oh that was blacked out. That was like back surgery yes. and painkillers. This yeah. is not that. This is no, like not. more Mucinex and. Next. Okay. All right. Let's do this. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> let's start over. I like to, all right. so- <laughs> I'd like to dig that episode out. Does it have an asterisk beside it or something? It it's should. like no user beware. No, there oh, were like a couple episodes
0: like <laughs> there were a couple. I think those were with Barnabas though. They were with Barnabas. Yes. All right.
1: So today we wanted to talk about all things discipleship discipleship. Yes. And if you missed the last episode that we had Michael on, it was about his latest book. Growing down. down not yes, up. Yes. See,
2: that's the clever part of the you title. Know, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. So you want to give a synopsis of that for sure, listeners yeah, who listen yeah, to that and yeah. we'll get into the questions.
2: So again, cleverly titled. You think it's going to be growing up, but it's not. It's, gro- it's growing down. The idea of the book is uh, it's really based off uh, Jesus Statement that if you want to uh, inherit the kingdom, you've got to become like one of these, one of these children. So, what are the characteristics that children possess almost inherently that make them really, really good citizens of the kingdom of God? And then, how do we as adults pursue those same characteristics in a redeemed kind of fashion? So, it's it's you know it's really an attempt to say. There is a version of a child that you are progressively becoming like. It's a it's a child of the King, a child of 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 God, as you uh, move further and further along in your relationship with Jesus. Awesome, awesome.
1: Good, That's good. growing down. All right. So the first question for today
0: is Todd's.
1: Let's go. Mm,
0: all right. Okay. So we aren't talking about books today. We're talking about discipleship uh, in general, and I think. Um, Michael Kelly is a great guy to answer the first question because he's been working and producing Bible studies for the last 13 years. So what have you learned in the course of that time? And by the way, we just had this conversation off air. You're about to turn 40, so I don't want people to think you're like super, (laughs) super agent. Right. Uh, But at the same time, you spent a lot of time both writing and personally writing, but also uh, writing as a part of Lifeway, which is a, a long legacy over a hundred and however many years, 30, no, almost 30, About, yeah. Uh, years of curriculum and just the importance of curriculum. Um, what have you learned from producing Bible studies for the last 13
2: years? There are a lot of things. I, I was thinking about how to answer this question because you could talk about I think you can talk about many, many different things here. Like you could talk about the fact that people receive information in different ways because they have different learning styles and you can, uh, you could talk about some general process things about the writing process. Uh, but, but here's, here's what I would, would say, uh, the, the number one thing it is that, um, clarity is king. It's at it is absolutely king. And I think when you write, whether you're writing books or whether you're writing Bible studies, particularly when you're writing them um, from a spiritual standpoint, there's this temptation because essentially all of us, not to minimize the work that anybody does here, but ultimately we're really all saying the same thing because we are drawing from the same source, which is the the Bible. and We have the same spirit within us. Um, in fact, you you go so far as to say that, that anytime I feel like I've, I have come up with some slam bang new insight that nobody has ever thought of before. That's a great cue to me to uh, examine whether or not I'm about to commit heresy. <laughs> 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 um, so we're all kind of saying the same, the same. So the temptation when you're doing that is mm-hmm. to, is to be clever at any cost. Okay, yeah. Like I've got to clever this thing up. I've got to, you know, something, something new, something different. Uh, and that's an okay thing so far as it goes, but cleverness cannot trump clarity. Hmm. Clarity, 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 especially when you're talking about the Bible. Clarity, 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 I think is the most helpful thing that we can, the most helpful thing that we can do. And thinking in that way has really changed a lot of the way that I communicate both verbally and um, in, a, in a written way. Like if, if you were to ask me 10 years ago, I would say that people who in their books or in their studies or even in their sermons, people who use lists and outlines, I would say, man, that is a crutch for the uncreative presenter, uh, and now I think, no, it's not a crutch at all. It's actually a really, really helpful tool for if you really want people to grasp and internalize the message, then you've got to filter it through clarity before cleverness. So if clair- in, in a message, in a Bible study, if clarity and cleverness are going to battle, clarity always has to win the battle.
0: Yeah. You know, I can remember back— um, In preaching, and uh, one one of my mentors always said, hey, if your problem is you're not taking enough time, you're not studying long enough, that's why your sermons are too long.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Because he was all about saying, hey, you know, the reason why you can't, the reason why your sermon is 40 minutes and not 30 minutes or 25 minutes is because... You didn't take the
2: time. Boil it down. Yeah, Just simplify. Down. Um, my favorite communication tool, whether writing or or verbally speaking, is, uh, is called the 3 a.m. statement. We may have talked about this on here, but I don't think we have. Never, think mind. So. never mind, never yeah. yeah. mind. Um, but the 3 a.m. statement is also from one of my preaching classes. So my preaching professor uh, used to require for all of his students that whenever you present a message, you have to have a 3 a.m. statement. He called it that because it's a single sentence that is short enough and easy enough to remember that if somebody woke you up at 3 a.m. the night before you were preaching and said, quick, quick, tell me what your sermon is about, you could tell them in in less than 10 words. Can you boil it down to one single statement? And the way that that works, I think, Todd, for what you're saying is the 3 a.m. statement whether you're writing a book or or a curriculum or preaching a sermon becomes a gate around your content. So you might have a ton of really interesting, good content, mm-hmm. The question is, does it support this 3 a.m. statement? If it does, it makes it in. If it doesn't, you just put it in your files and you use it the next time you're writing or speaking about that that subject or that text.
1: Yeah. Okay. So for our listeners, uh, I mean, we obviously talked about the fact that you're an author as well, both of books and Bible studies. But what our listeners might not know is that you're actually a, an amazing preacher, right? Thank preacher, you. That is very kind yes, of you to say. Every time yeah. you've communicated, it's just bang on super clear, uh, and just really, really well done. So in light of that, bring it super practical to the Bible study teacher or to the preacher listening in right now. If they come up with this 3 a.m. statement, I mean, how do you prepare around that? Is that something you yeah. nail first and then do the rest or is just kind of, yeah?
2: No, 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 I think you, the in my mind, the order of the steps go that you start out with your text and then you you ask questions of the text, like even the, who is this? What is this place? Is there any other time in script, You know, basic exegetical kinds of, of questions. Then you do your research. So after you do that, you've got a pretty good idea of what the text actually says. It's only then that you craft that statement. Okay. Otherwise, you're gonna be trying to bend yeah, that's the right. Bible to, to fit into it, right? So you, yeah. you have to make sure that you kind of know what it says. So then the 3AM statement is really just a matter of, I, I kind of know what it says, and I can probably say it in five sentences, but let me take that down to one sentence, and then let me take that one sentence down to seven words.
1: Yeah, okay. Uh,
2: so, I, yeah, I think that's the order of how that's you do it.
1: That's good. I like that. All right, so, Michael, in your entire, in your time here at Lifeway, I mean, you started writing Bible studies? Editing, Editing. Bible studies. Okay, yeah,
2: and then you—how how many years into— yeah. So uh I did Bible study editing. Let's see. I'm going to do my quick math here, which shouldn't be too hard since we're working with single digits. Uh but uh, so I did uh, both really editing Bible studies for about, uh, I don't know, two or three years. And then I did a lot of writing and editing for another uh, three or four years, and then moved into more of a leadership role okay. after that. Uh, but still in the, in the leadership role, I've still done, I've done less of the editing and more of the writing. Okay. Okay. And uh, for
1: listeners who aren't aware, how many Bible studies does LifeWave produce? Oh, Lord.
2: Well, it depends <laughs> like, on what you mean, right? Yeah. So we, we do different kinds of Bible studies. We do we do ongoing curriculum Bible studies. And uh, so we do those at multiple age levels and multiple brands of curriculum. And then we do standalone package Bible studies. If you just combine it to those, those package studies that are six to eight weeks a piece, uh, I would say for adults, we probably do between 20 and 25 of those a year. Okay, okay. See, that's like, for
1: and for me, before coming to LifeWay, I mean, all I knew about LifeWay was, was the Bible studies. Yeah,
2: those studies, right. right. And
1: especially the Beth Moore, Priscilla right. Shire, right. I mean, a lot of these ones um, mm-hmm. that are coming out. So when you think about Bible studies and all the Bible studies that are being produced, uh, including the ongoing ones that you referenced, the Gospel Project, Bible Studies for Life, Explore the Bible, what have you found are kind of the most
2: popular topics? <laughs> Well, and the, why yeah yeah so there there are perennial topics that that people enjoy um discussing so perennial topics would be things like relationships okay. in general okay. um family dynamics in 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 general and uh finances you know i mean it's it hmm. a lot in the same way it's it's what uh if you asked a pastor that question it's probably they would give similar answers to okay. what are your most popular Uh, Sermons. However, one of the things that is encouraging is at least as popular as those topics um, are philosophies of studying the Bible. So, for example, people might like to talk about families, but they really want to talk about families in the context of just studying the book of Ephesians. So that we naturally talk about it when we get to Ephesians five and right. Ephesians yeah. six. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, and that's one of the gratifying parts about producing Bible studies is that it's really a neat opportunity to help people um, walk through the whole council of the whole council of God. But it's also important why we as as publishers don't just have a as a publisher we don't just have Kind of an a la carte approach to the way that we to the way that we publish. We in our minds have to have a really strategic kind of roadmap, so that we know philosophically either we're taking people through you know one whole book of the Bible right. or the whole Bible, um, or we're taking people through strategically these topics for a specific reason and purpose, that those aren't just drawn from from our minds, but are, are really based in both in the Bible, but also based in research about what people need to be learning about. So in in light of that, then, what do you think this, this tells us about the church? Um, a few things, maybe. Um, I think one of the things that it tells us is that people really, <laughs> really do... And it's a, it is a good thing, really do find value in studying the Bible. You know, I, I think we live in a day and time when every, it's never been easier to express your opinion about anything at any time to anybody than it is right now. Um, in previous generations, your opinion was really confined to your closest set of people that you can influence, but not now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can tell, you can tell anybody Anybody, what you think about anything at at any time, and because of the proliferation of opinions, I think that there's a rising group of people who, you know, wouldn't wouldn't necessarily put it like this. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little harder uh, in my language here for emphasis, but a, a group of, of people that are rising up saying, "I'm tired of hearing what everyone thinks about X," hmm. because I know what everyone thinks about X. Please tell me just what the Bible says about okay. X. This is what I really want to know—not what you think the Bible says, but what the Bible actually says. Uh, and I do think that's one of the reasons why our, like our stable Bible studies that come out over and over and over again. Uh, have continued to grow in their, in their influence is because, you know, that's chief among our values is, is making sure that we really are telling, we really are answering that question above anything else is what does the Bible say? Um, so I think that uh, is an encouraging, uh, I think it's an encouraging thing too. I, I think one of the other things that, that the nature of, of all these things tells us is that people really, in general, even if they don't, Particularly uh, want to know what the Bible says. They still want guidance yeah. in general about how to live. Wisdom, like common grace, kind of wisdom. I think even even a non Christian values common grace kind of wisdom. And I suppose there's a lens through which you could read the Bible and get common sense kind of wisdom. But I think. Uh, uh, a non-Christian that goes to the Bible seeking that will inevitably encounter Jesus and find something much much deeper than mm. just than just you know how to have a how to have a happy successful home yeah. life you know
0: yeah no that's good hmm. I'd want to keep asking more questions <laughs> <laughs> but this is the I, five I know it's the five ish five ish LQ because I mean, he's yeah. touching on something that I want to bring to the surface that everybody it will expect me to bring to the surface, which is the maps versus menus conversation, Mm -hmm. um, which is a scope and sequence conversation. Um, Do you think, do you think that, how do you think churches have shifted in the way they handle discipleship and has that been
2: good or bad? Uh, Well, I think some of each. Right. S- some good, some bad. I think we are are now not even emerging from, but I think we are fully out of a day when discipleship was treated primarily as an education, mm-hmm. an act of the mind, something to be completed in a in a classroom, and we're we're out of that now. I don't think anybody would seriously would really seriously say that you confine discipleship to the intellect, and that is a good thing, Um, but one of the good things, if you could say it this way, one of the good things about having discipleship purely as a program or as a a piece of education uh, is that it's a lot easier to do it then, but now, having emerged from that, discipleship has sort of become this nebulous kind of term that means different things to different people. I, I, I think one of the main obstacles that we have in the church for discipleship is the overcomplication of what it is that we're doing here. Mm. All we're really doing in discipleship is trying to help someone else follow Jesus. That's all we're doing. Um, and we're doing that by helping them read the Bible. We're doing that by helping them learn how to pray. We're doing that by uh, walking with them and talking with them about how they how they work, how they uh, how they raise their kids, all those kinds of things. But at the core, all we're all it's all we're really doing. So we don't we don't have to wrap a ton of other stuff around that uh, to get back to the simplicity of it. So back to you, back to your your question: um, Is it good or bad? I mean, it's it's good in the sense that I think we have a more holistic view of what discipleship is now. Right. Um, it's bad in the sense because we, we talk so much about it that th- as long as we're talking about it, we don't really have to actually be doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I'm learning about Christianity in general, uh, that I don't know if you guys would agree with this. or uh, So much of Christianity is a learn-by-doing model, you know? Yeah, like sure. it, it, it feels like, well, how do I learn to pray? Well, I, I can take a class about prayer, but yeah, you really learn to pray is— by praying like this. Yeah. You start praying. That's how you learn to pray. I think discipleship is the same way. How's the most effective way to learn to disciple somebody? Well, you decide you want to do it, mm. and you start doing it. And you figure out real quick what patterns works and what they don't work with this person's personality. It's Christianity really is that. It is a learn-by-doing kind of Kind of wall. Totally, I, yeah, and that's, that's why really you know I believe that
1: one of the best ways to be discipled is to disciple.
2: Yes, it's a catalyst for your yeah, own discipleship. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: So that's good. All right, I think I set up my third question really well. You, you said did. I did. you I did. did without even realizing How about that. that. Uh, what are some of the big shifts happening in the church world right now as it relates to discipleship? Oh, well, my
2: goodness, there we go. So <laughs> you see how it did that? Oh, yeah. yeah. So let, I'll give you a few. So it wasn't intentional? No. <laughs> oh, I thought it was totally intentional. <laughs> I'll give you a few. Uh, one is a, one is a more holistic understanding of discipleship. Instead of confining discipleship to uh, education, it's a more holistic understanding of it. Um I think a, a second shift is understanding um, is is a, a greater focus on the personal aspect of discipleship um, than maybe in previous generations. So that your people are starting to equate discipleship more with a even smaller group than a small group. So like one on one, one yeah. on three, okay. that kind of thing. Um, so I think. Right. I think that's yeah, yeah. I think that's that's one of the shifts uh, that is is happening. And then, um, Daniel, you. I think what you said is another one of the shifts too. I, we used to think about discipleship as the effect of being a disciple, right? So yeah. I I'm a disciple, and once I get to a certain level of my this discipleship, then. <laughs> As an effect of that, I turn around to disciple somebody else. No, the shift is here, understanding that all I really have to do is be about a half inch further along than somebody else to start bringing them along with me. And not only that, so I don't, not only do I have to wait to achieving some sort of, you know, sp- spiritual hierarchy or whatever, but, um, but also my discipleship of another one is actually my personal discipleship. Mm. Like it's my, it, it is not, the only the effect of my growth, it is the means of my personal growth. Mm-hmm. Those are good shifts in thinking. I think that's good, or great. It's shifts. it's interesting. This this one guy that I'm discipling,
1: you know, you 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 journey along with someone long enough that you almost you almost begin to see, okay, when when do they succeed? When do mm-hmm, they fail? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, you almost become like a spiritual mentor or father, or you like you just see things that they don't really see. And as I've been thinking about, okay, what what is the next step for him? I mean, I don't necessarily think that he's completely ready, but in light of what I know about him and in the ways that we've journeyed together, I was like, actually, I think the best thing for him next is just to disciple someone else. Yeah. Because of the accountability that then brings to him. Yeah. In being the leader that that I think would actually just. Completely. So that's been something this last week that I've been
2: praying and thinking through with him. I think that's great. I think that's great. It, and it really, very well, could be that. You yeah. know, like it could be the next catalyst in his spiritual yeah, and growth. He's not perfect, and he's no, still, of course, yeah, yeah. Of, of course. <laughs> but but honestly, who really wants yeah. a perfect? Who really wants a perfect mentor anyway? Yeah. Golly, how crushing is that? Yeah. yeah. I, it, oh, it's, it's it would be terrible. Okay, so before our next question,
1: growth track. There's a lot of, I mean, especially with Church of the Highlands, bringing that back, bringing that to the surface. There's just a lot of churches doing this growth track. And it's been something that's been around for quite a while. I mean, it's purpose-driven stuff. Mm-hmm. If you go back and I'm sure it's something else before that too, right? But what are your thoughts on a lot of churches doing that? And really bringing it to the point where it's like every Sunday there's something, you know, mm-hmm. afterwards.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's I think it's fine as long as people understand what it what it's for. So I, let me make sure that we're using the term in the okay, same way. So. so when you say growth track, what I think is um, like the way that people are are introduced to life in the church, you know, a series of 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 kind of classes or groups yeah, that yeah, go exactly. to. It's like First Sunday Sunday One, is positive, one yeah, positive, Christianity yeah. and church exactly. and week two, we're going to introduce you to the serving ministries of our church and what church membership is. Um I think it's a really, really good thing because it's but the way that i would view it is sort of an exploratory thing for someone who's coming into the life of the of the church i would tend to to bring it in line with just the overall process of church membership um that that if we're really going to be serious about what it means to be a church member then we ought to expect that people should treat it seriously mm-hmm. and have a firm understanding of the commitment that they're actually making so yeah, it's okay. it's almost like If you want to do serious church membership, then you kind of need to have something like this. Because if you don't have something like this, then you can talk covenant language and importance language to to people all day long, but they're not really understanding what they're they're signing up for. If somebody can
0: become a member of your church in an hour or by walking down front, there's a problem there. Yeah, well— do they even know what they're signing up for? Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. <laughs> so, how can they? Well, be here's what member? happened in the 80s when we had research that said um, church members pray more, give more, serve more like there's results that happen. And then, so people then what let's do they just do? get a lot
2: more church members. Yeah. yeah.
0: Let's lower of the bar for
2: <laughs> uh-huh. church membership.
0: And then, we'll, right. uh, no, that's not how that works. All right. So, before we get to our next question, just a quick word
1: from our sponsor for today. As a church leader, you know how tough marriage ministry can be. There's never enough time to help every couple. There's not enough resources to go around, and we often don't feel like marriage experts. And that's why we want to tell you about Woo Marriage, a brand new tool from Lifeweight that provides Christ-centered marriage coaching for every couple in your church. Backed by research and design with your church in mind, Woo Marriage provides a plan for your marriage ministry of video courses for all seasons of marriage. So you can learn more by going to woomarriage.com slash free trial. And if you use the offer code leadership, you can get a free month. That's woomarriage.com slash free trial. All right. So we're back. And Michael, um, so, so it's interesting here. Brad Wagner, years ago, over a decade ago, with his book, The Shape of Faith to Come, began that he did that longitudinal research Mm -hmm. that then made its way to transformational discipleship which you, Eric Geiger and Film Nation wrote on. And then a couple of years ago, I looked at the regression analysis behind that uh, Mm -hmm. and then wrote no silver bullets. And then just this last year, I mean, a few months ago, the research was done again. Right. Right. So talk to us about that. I mean, cause that's, that's neat to have over 10 years
2: of the same sort of questions. Yeah, yeah, it is. yeah. So the you know I I think the good news here is that the the findings of the project have not really changed mm-hmm. in in huge ways over time. Maybe some tweaks here and there, but nothing really substantive uh, has has changed. And and the reason why that's that's good is because we can really use that research to help put people uh, and help church leaders put people on a, on a real pathway of, of what it looks like and what it means to grow in, uh, to really grow in Christ. Um, now, of course, the, so, Dan, you'll know this, obviously, but the, I always think it's funny uh, to, to say, but the—man, the, over and over again, what the research has borne out is that the, the most reliable, the most impactful— the most firm, the number one indicator of whether someone is actually going to grow in their relationship with Jesus, bar none, is whether or not they read their Bible. Yeah, I know. <laughs> who to have thunk it? I know, exactly. <laughs> but there's and that's, that's not studying the Bible, memorizing the Bible. Just, I mean, yeah, just read <laughs> the Bible. But there is power in yes. being able to not just say that because the Bible says it, but to be able to say it from a statistical standpoint. Like mm-hmm. there's real power in saying man, you say you want your life to change. Let me give you one thing that if you do this, I guarantee your life will change. Just read the Bible. And that's a really important message, I think, for church leaders to hear too, because it it, it can cut away a lot of the noise and, and, and for a church leader, it means that you can start weighing kind of everything up, everything else up against that standard. That is to say, are the tools that we're giving people, does it help them read their Bible? Um, in the way that we talk from the stage, are we motivating people to read their Bible? Like it, it just it narrows the focus so much to where that that's that's really what we want to be about in the discipleship space is just for people to read their Bibles, get in the Bible. Hmm. So as with
1: with reading the Bible and with the research that has come out, obviously it is a tool, right? I mean, it is an assessment that right, churches right. can do. Have you found though, I mean, I mean, as we talk about this, people are like, yeah, yeah, no, I get that, that's great. But how do I actually use the tool in the church or even get people to do it?
2: Yeah. Right? There's, <laughs> yeah, there's there's a little bit, there's there is a little bit of that. Um and I think part of the the hesitance you know, we always we got to come to a point where we really want to know the truth. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, we, just in life or in ministry or in work, in in anything, we have to get to the point where we really, really want to know the truth. And the assessment that you mentioned really will for a pastor. It will it will tell the pastor the truth about their oh, about this, this which they may not exactly. Want to know. <laughs> that's right. And we sort of know that I think in our hearts of, of do I really really want to go down this? Because once you do.
0: Especially and if you've been in the church for, for yeah, long <laughs> that's
2: right. You're so compelled then to act upon what it's what it what it's the, right. and it's going to reveal things yeah. about the spiritual state of your people, and it may uh. even reveal things about the, you know, your your preaching and your structure and and that kind of thing. It just there's always going to be an action point after it. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's. I don't know. You almost want to present a handle with care kind of <laughs> disclaimer to something like that to let somebody know that look, you really are opening something up here if you want to if you want if you want to use this.
1: Yeah. And that's discipleshippathwayassessment.com. Right. And we'll have that link on the on the show notes.
0: So Okay, so um, last month, um, one of our sponsors was the DDG. Yeah, Did I you think all of our listeners will know that. Did you? You of said it, it just yeah, like he that. He said right? it like totally that. Did. Okay, well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. I, I then that? had to totally clarify. Yeah. <laughs> and was like, he's saying DDG, <laughs> which stands <laughs> for the Daily Discipleship Guide. So, um, you know, what was the what was the rationale? behind developing the Daily Discipleship Guide? How how did what we've just talked about kind of come into that? And by the way, this is not a result of the sponsorship. One of the reasons why we did this a little later is we wanted to kind of disconnect the two. We wanted to have a real conversation about discipleship, state of discipleship in the church. We wanted to have a real conversation about the research. Um, we also did want to talk about DDG because there was a lot of people interested in that.
2: The, the, uh, the answer to that question is... The previous issue, man, it is just like a just like a it, the, just like the research. If a church walks through the assessment, they're compelled to act. We also felt compelled to act. If the research really says that the most important thing that people can do is to read their Bible, and we at Lifeway are trying uh, with, with all of our might. Um, That that we want to research resource (laughs) resource the church in her mission of making disciples. Then the Bible is at the center of both of those things. So the DDG is the Daily Discipleship Guide. Is is that it is us saying what is the easiest thing that we can produce outside of the Bible itself that puts people in their Bible every single day. And for us, it made all the sense in the world to say, well, let's create a tool where people are are not just reading their Bible, but they're actually bringing together the group experience that they would have on a weekend with what their daily devotion time is every single day so that you're, you're actually studying the same text that you're then going to come together with your friends and neighbors and church members to discuss during that group time so that you're reinforcing that passage over and over and over again. But it's, it's that same thing at the center of it. It is what, what can we do that's going to get people into the Bible? That's good.
1: That's good. Now uh, the ministry that I lead here, newchurches.com, I mean, it's church planting, multi-site. And and I, I always say, Hey, the number one thing that, church planters need to know and do, and this is this goes for every pastor, is, hey, just don't recreate the wheel, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, just, that's great. don't recreate the wheel. So I remember before coming to Lifeway, we would use, and this is honestly, it, it's my ignorance more than anything, but I didn't realize Lifeway is what Lifeway is. So I was just like, oh, it's just some Bible studies with this little Lifeway thing is really honestly all yeah, I what you thought about, thought sure. of, about Lifeway. So we forgive you, <laughs> So honestly, it was, you know, our church was using LifeWay studies and other studies. And it was really, we looked at one at a time and we would occasionally do these churchwide series. And we, it was a pretty large church and we had a team that would write studies based on the sermons. And it took a lot of time and effort and not everyone was good at it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but we felt like we had to do it. Yeah. And when I came down to Lifeway, I was like, wow, look at all of the people here who are really good uh-huh. at writing Bible, Bible studies. So I would just encourage you listeners, if you, even if you're a really large church, I mean, regardless of the size of your church, even if you're a really large church, I mean, the, the studies that are coming out of uh, Lifeway, including, and especially this daily discipleship guide is just so practical, useful, and it'll actually give you the time to do what you can do best, which is coach and mentor and pray and lead and equip uh, rather than spending your time writing studies, which you can probably likely find another study that's addressing that same topic. So if you want to learn more about the DDG, the Daily Discipleship Mm -hmm. Guide, just go to lifeway.com slash DDG. I should. we should do it again lifeway.com slash <laughs> <laughs> all right well thanks again for listening in and if you haven't yet checked out the one thing podcast with Scott Sanders and Derek Hanna they're part of our Lifeway leadership podcast network family and recently yes they're Aussies which is why he said it like that uh, they've recently talked about removing roadblocks how to evangelize someone who's not interested in coming to your church and how to start a second service So just look up The One Thing on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today. Thanks again for listening in.